What is going on, everybody? It is Flex. I'm here with Commodore. We have a awesome guest today. We are joined by David Fatoki. I'll let him. I'll let him introduce himself in a little bit. But he is in his sixth overall season with the Warriors organization. Started his career in Santa Cruz as basketball operations coordinator and player development coach in the 2000-2016 season and basketball operations manager in the 2017-2018 season. So we're excited. As you can tell, there's a lot of a lot of parallels. This is going to be an awesome conversation. So David, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Good, good. Doing awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm excited to, to be here with you guys. How would you kind of describe your, you know, your kind of current role and focus? Like kind of intro, intro yourself a little bit for us. Yeah, so that was a good start. It's my sixth season with the Warriors organization. My first two, you could say I started primarily in Santa Cruz with our G League team before transitioning up into, you know, a full Golden State front office role doing mainly college and pro scouting and basketball operations around the team. And now here is my first season as the general manager of Santa Cruz. And in that role, I still focus on a lot of college and pro scouting just with the, the adage of, of running and making the decisions for our, our basketball operations department down in Santa Cruz. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. And we're really excited to have you on. It's obviously something that w one of the things we've learned in the journey is that people say they want to own an NBA team, but I think they actually mean I want to do kind of the fun GMing side of, of it. And we've definitely bumped into that cross house. But before we get too deep into that, uh, we did want to ask you kind of growing up, who is one of your favorite teams or maybe a, a player that you, that you loved watching? So I'm a Chicago kid, so big Chicago Bulls fan. Was always a Bulls fan growing up. And then I would say favorite players as I was coming up, Chris Paul. And then mm. so early on, Steph Curry was, was blowing up. So now I, I know him quite well, but he was definitely one of my favorite players growing up in middle school, high school. Yeah, I remember watching him at Davidson and just being like, who is this dude? He is amazing to watch. Right. And then obviously a lot of the, you know, pre-draft kind of cynicism around him. But man, what a what a delight to watch at Davidson. Obviously um, a delight to watch to this day. But I feel you on, on that. Yeah, those are, those are some good ones. I could tell it's actually it's a good segue into our next question. It sounds like you like the the floor general, the, the, point, the point guards. Commodore and I always like to ask guests, if you're playing pickup, right now today who would be your nba player comparison for 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 david fatoki who's who's the guy that's like okay he reminds me of this guy if you're playing i probably will say chris paul so i was i was a point guard when i played so now when i when i still play pickup generally handle the ball a lot and i like to pride myself on kind of the floor general setting the table type of mold for my teammates so i would definitely say chris paul and then also a, another thing that the NBA three-point line is, is a little far, so even though we don't like it as much in the NBA, the, the mid-range game is definitely fully in my pickup game package. I'm well, I'll tell you that. what, I, yeah, I was going to say, you can play pickup with me any day of the week <laughs> because that's exactly what we need in pickup games. We need, we need more people like you and less people that think they are uh, Steph or Trey Young. That's, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, and I, I did want to ask you, too, this is a question that uh, I was having some beers with some people the other day, and it was, it was a great one. And I was like, I, I got to ask you this is of all the teams that you've played with in NBA 2K. So this can be, you know, any any era, any console, whatever. Who's been like your favorite team or most dominant NBA 2K team to roll with? 
you know what's funny? I can't remember exactly the year, but it was definitely early, maybe early 2010s or or late 2000s. But my favorite team was the Portland Trailblazers with Brandon Roy. Yes. Ooh, so it was always nice. Brandon Roy and Martel Webster. I loved playing with. I'm trying to see who else. They had LaMarcus on that, right? LaMarcus, yeah. I believe, maybe a young LaMarcus, but but Brandon Roy for sure. I thought, you know, playing 2K, he had the whole package, could shoot, could attack the basket. Like that was that was my team. And That's, I, think, I love yeah, that. Maybe early 2010s. Yeah, yeah that's a good choice, man. Like I think Brandon Roy consistently comes up as, you know, the biggest what if player. He just he just had it all like a super well-rounded game. And it's kind of a bummer yeah. to see what happened to him with injuries and stuff like that. But yeah, he was he, he was phenomenal. And like he was one of those people, especially in 2K, that was almost like a cheat code. You know, he could do he could do kind of everything. I do have to I have to drop mine, which was two I think it was two K seven, Houston Rockets. It was Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, Steve Francis, Luis Scola. They had a sharpshooter off the bench that I'm blanking on. Oh, Shane Shane Batie Batty sorry, Shane Battier. Uh, and like Tracy McGrady and the Yao Ming combination in two K, you know, so Yao's never hurt. Yao's, you know, scores on the block every single time he can shoot. Uh Scola can hit, you know, a corner three. Um and then Tracy McGrady He's like, you know, it's kind of that similar Brandon Roy type archetype of like, he's just built for 2K. He can, he can shoot, he can drive, he can dunk. Like, I've, I've won a lot of games with that, with that roster. Yep. So now just to add, I don't want to leave anyone out. This definitely must have been NBA 2K9, but that, that 2008-2009 Trailblazers team. So you had a LaMarcus, Brandon Roy, Nick Batum, Rudy Fernandez, who I love. Rudy, he was Ooh, nasty yeah, in wow, 2K. Yeah. Nasty. Sergio Rodriguez off the bench. Yeah, no, that was a, a nice team. Love that it. Was not. So you guys are just pure whippersnappers. I'm going to take it all the way back to NBA 2K for Dreamcast, that Sixers team. Okay. Hear me out. Allen Iverson, you had a, a kind of a, a old Tony Kukoc, which was crazy, but you had Dikembe and Eric Snow backing up. It was the it was the, it was was the the full package. I think them and the Lakers. Lakers kind of felt like cheating back in 2000, 2001. But I went with the Sixers, and that, that, team, that team was crazy. Could never hey, go wrong with Allen Iverson. Yeah, I feel oh. like, and I feel like they juiced him up a little bit. Those were like the two years, right? He was the the cover athlete as well. He felt like unreal in those ones. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he, they gave him back to back. I think he was on 2K1 mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's a really really good point. Well, that's cool. We'll, we'll have to play sometime. We're gonna get some 2K tournaments going, and 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 David, you're more than welcome to join us there. Definitely, I've been trying <laughs> to get back into 2K. Obviously, with the start of the NBA 2K League. I've been around, but have admittedly kind of switched away from 2K. It's a lot of just PGA Tour and, and Call of Duty. And oh, PGA Tour. Oh, yes, nice. Sir. Yeah, yes, yeah. Sir. That's good. We're not mad at you for those transitions. Those are those are excellent. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit for, um, to to less less digital and let's go go analog with real hoops. What is <clears throat> what are some of the biggest challenges you face as a, as a GM specifically? Maybe in the G League, it'd be be interesting to hear kind of both of those like just kind of general challenges that that gms have that might not be intuitive for for the casual fan but also kind of let us know is there anything kind of uniquely about about a a g league team that presents distinct challenges as a gm yeah so um not sure how much you guys and your the followers watch the g league but if you don't you really should it's an amazing basketball league but i would say the biggest challenge is just 
the changing rosters every day. Like you really, so the way it, it kind of works in the G League, all of the players on our G League rosters are considered NBA free agents, unless they're a two-way or an assignment player. So at any time, as we've seen a lot this year with all the COVID replacement players, at any time an NBA team can call up your best player. So if you do well in your job in the G League, you build a really good roster, and then by like the second month of the season, all your best players get called up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I would say that's probably the most difficult thing is trying to plan and, and structure when you talk about roster building, getting pieces that fit together, building a winning culture, winning environment, and then having you know everything change at the drop of a dime. That's, that's definitely the hardest part. So that's that's super interesting. I got a follow up question there. So <clears throat> based on if there was a kind of a criteria to judge your success, is it more important for you to 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 send players to the NBA or is it more important to to win? It's definitely twofold. And I I would say this is kind of a cop-out answer, but I would say it's probably as close as 50-50 as you can imagine. Obviously, we want to win games. Like, that's the easiest barometer to success. We're trying to build a, a good business, a good environment in, in Santa Cruz. So, obviously, we would like to win games for our fans. But on the other end, if we're being honest, I'm like, you'll see it walking into the tunnel to get to our locker room. But we have all the call-ups that we've had over the last 10 years, and that's amazing for me to see that's cool so it's definitely uh, a two-legged sword i would probably say maybe i would lean a little more to getting guys called up getting players and staff to the nba as the as a, a major goal maybe a little more but but it's definitely as close to 50 50 as you can get yeah i gotta imagine that's it's a gotta be a challenge i mean that's obviously it's so cool to kind of hear that story of like working with these guys and getting the call-ups and like, you know, you think about from the Warriors perspective of like, of course they want to be developing amazing talent and, and bring them on, you know, the highest competitive space. These guys as human beings, you know, to actually get an NBA shot and, and succeed is like, and then you're kind of sitting there in that middle. It's this, it has to be yeah, this really sort of challenging, but hopefully really rewarding kind of role as you kind of play in both of those worlds. Definitely. And how Definitely. do you kind of, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, like, and so how do you kind of, and maybe this is secret sauce stuff, so again, you know, feel free to tell us, like, you can't answer this, but it's like, how do you sort of, you know, strategize or think with the GM of the Warriors on, on thinking about this? Is it sort of like, hey, you, you know, you find talent that you can and kind of and grow them on the G League, and then as we need it, we'll kind of dip in? Or they're sort of like, hey, we would love to kind of explore, you know, a big man or, you know, a ball handler, like how... How does that kind of, those two worlds inter interact? So I don't want to get too deep into the inner sure. workings of like the contract stuff, but if you guys would like me to, we can. But basically the, the bulk of our roster in the G League is made up of guys that come to NBA training camp. So I don't know if you guys noticed that, but you always see a bunch of people signed to NBA training camp at the beginning of the season mm -hmm. and then waived. And those guys typically end up in the G League. So when we talk about building our roster, we know we have those three to four spots that come to NBA training camp, and that's going to be the bulk of your roster. So that's where I'm working with Bob and Mike Dunleavy, uh, Kirk Lakeup, Ken Lakeup, the, the rest of the, the Golden State Warriors front office, 
you know, pro scouting staff to figure out what guys, one, do we want to take a look at, think can be players for the Warriors, but also, you know, who can help our culture and our, our winning, our ability to develop the young Warriors assignment players, as we call them, in Santa Cruz as well. So it's it's twofold, but that's definitely where all the conversation happens. And, and I'm in lockstep with the Golden State front office and, and what we're doing up top. Yeah, makes 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 a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, totally. Flex, Flex and I are big summer league fans, and we we go to summer league every year. And we were watching the game, and as you were kind of talking through that, I was just like, like, how do you think about summer league? Because obviously, him and I are there. We're having some beers. We're cheering. You know, I, I cheer for the Bucks, and so I'm, I'm watching the Bucks team, and then obviously some of the young superstars that are that are coming through. But like, how do you view the lens of, of summer league? Like, and how does that interact with that, that that kind of training camp piece? Like, can you kind of walk us through those two phases? Yeah, so Summer League is obviously amazing. You get, you know, the top first year, second year, some third year players, but then you also get the cream of the crop G League wise. So throughout the season, as we're doing all of our college scouting, we're, we're making notes, we're jotting down, we're keeping a database of players that we like. And then Summer League is the first time to kind of put something together in action. So I would, I would kind of stop there and say Summer League is interesting depending on your role there. So for the last, for the previous, I guess you could say five summer leagues, I had been involved in in the roster decision making for our summer league team, but mainly there, my duties were to help support our team in any way possible operationally, but then also do pro scouting, which is watching all the other teams. You know, obviously free agency is going on at the same time, but you're watching all the young guys from across the league. And at that point, you're trying to build G League rosters and you're you're just taking everything in. Obviously, it being the the one spot where all 30 teams are there, pretty much every front office member is in Las Vegas at that time. So mm-hmm. you're making, you're networking, making connections, you're talking to people and doing, I would say this past season, I was the one who put together our summer league team. So there was a lot more of me stressing from game to game and, right. and doing the, the <laughs> management of, of obviously conversing with agents on the players who are on our team, but also talking with the coaching staff and, and figuring out how we were more so trying to win games from a day-to-day basis. Right. So that was a little different than it has been in the past. Actually, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, go ahead, so hop, hop, hopping in there, you kind of take us into not necessarily the war room, but you take me kind of like the, the day-to-day and the conversations around assembling a team specifically in in the summer league like i imagine there's some division of labor between maybe the analytics department and maybe with with kent and international scouting and and team development how do you kind of assemble that team based on all the kind of the tools and the access that you have as an organization like what talk me into like what do those conversations look like as far as assembling specifically a summer league team because that's really interesting Right, so we're definitely taking it in from all sources. You mentioned analytics team, you have pro scouting staff, you have college scouting staff, you have international scouting staff. Um, you, you take all those sources in. So throughout the year, we're constantly having conversations around who we like, You know, whether it's a college player or whether it's a player overseas, someone in the G League. Those conversations are happening on a day-to-day basis. And then obviously we have you know, full, more formal scouting meetings, but those conversations happen on a day-to-day basis. If I see someone, if I'm going to, you know, X college game and I see someone that I like, you know, I'll write a report in, but I also might text Kent and go, hey, this guy is, you know, a summer league target. Like if you go see this team, take a look at him. 
So I think that that happens on a day-to-day basis. And then when you formulate it all in, that's exactly what it is. Everybody has a say in and who can be on our summer league team and who they like to see, how we build the roster. And then we just kind of come to an agreement at that point. And then it's all about just getting it done and seeing who we can actually convince to play with us. That's so cool. That's so cool. So, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you basically, like I mentioned, there's a kind of this division of labor where it's even separated between kind of like a, a college, college recruiting or sorry, sc- college scouting overseas analytics. So all that goes into kind of one conversation. And do you ever have kind of those people really like fighting to see certain players get, get on the roster? Like if take, for example, like overseas scouting team, it's like, Hey, no, listen, you need, we need to check this guy out versus maybe like a, you know, a guy from a power five school in college. Is there ever kind of, did those conversations ever get, ever get heated? And is there any kind of like politics that kind of play into part to make sure that those guys sneak on the roster? I wouldn't say politics. There's definitely discussions that happen and, and, you know, some people like players more than others. So that naturally kind of works itself out. But I think at the end of the day, everyone realizes that you can't have, I mean, you have a certain number of roster spots, one, and then you have a certain number of, of minutes that you can play guys. So I'll give you an example. If I, you know, if I really like a player that plays, call it, so let's take us back to summer league. If I really like a player that plays the shooting guard position and I knew we just drafted Moses Moody, maybe that isn't in, you know, my self-fulfilling best interest to want to bring that person to our summer league team Mm. when he's not going to play that many minutes. And I would rather him go play for another summer league team and get bigger minutes knowing that I like him and and we're going to watch him anyway. So I think there's a little bit of that that comes into play. But, I mean, you know, we've been in it. We've been working together for a long time. So there's definitely some healthy disagreements and, and the flow of information, and it all kind of evens its way out and shakes out at the end. So I think we, you know, that's, that's the fun part is having those conversations. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. And I, I, I wonder, is there's also probably a balance between – maybe taking some some veterans that are still trying to stay active in the NBA compared to young guys. Like for the example I'm thinking of specifically, Commodore and I watched a Blazers Summer League this last year and Michael Beasley, we, we, we saw him time and time again kind of being that like that 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 player coach and really kind of taking Trent and Watford specifically. I think that was their first round pick, kind of coaching them on the floor and telling them what to do. Is that ever kind of baked in where you kind of have a well-distributed roster of like some young guys, but also maybe some NBA vets that can kind of, you know, work with them at times? Do you ever, is that ever in consideration when building the summer league roster? For sure. For sure. And this year, <clears throat> this past season, we were lucky enough to have Gary Payton, who's now on our, or who was on our roster at that point too. So he was that, that veteran presence for us with our young guys. But you always take that into account because then the goal at the end of the day is to put together a winning team, but also, as I mentioned earlier, create the best environment for your young guys to be successful, and that all goes into it. Awesome. Let me see. So so switching gears a little bit, um, I want to talk about, obviously, specifically the, the Santa Cruz team. How do you guys think about partnerships beyond, like, the the local community are you are you involved in i guess one let's start ever with the with the local community in 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 santa cruz is like what is what is that what is the royals roster doing there with with like the santa cruz like how's the how's the fan base do you get involved in the local community at all um 
because I know obviously you hear the, the stories of what the Warriors do for mm-hmm. um, for Oakland. But are you? How do you guys think about the local fan base in in Santa Cruz? Yeah, it's a huge part of of who we are, and I think we've done a great job on engaging the community and and uh, and being an active participant in the community of Santa Cruz. So I can't take all the credit for that. So with basketball, obviously there's, you know, the the basketball side, which which a lot of people see, and and that can be considered the fun part. You're making the decision on the court of of what guys are doing, but also there's the whole other business side, which we have a president, we have a large team on our business side of, you know, upwards of of 20 people who do ticket sales, corporate partnerships, and marketing and and facilities all different types of things that go into you know our team of santa cruz so they do a great job of of making sure we're active in in the community and we do a ton of stuff from a community relations standpoint but also just trying to get our team active in the community so for example even even last night actually or yesterday during the day we have a, a season ticket holder who was a a 30-year ranger in the redwoods force in in the santa cruz area and she took our whole team out for a, a walk through the Redwood Forest, which was a great ex- experience. So anything, any type of things like that, that we can do to, you know, add value for our players being active participants in the community, but then also strengthening our ties with the community. It's, it's, we definitely try to do that. And it's a lot that goes into it. And then I guess to follow up your second question, globally, obviously the Warriors, we, we feel is a, a global brand and we in Santa Cruz, we try to tie off that as much as possible. So we know the G League is growing. You know, we're working as hard as we can to continue growing the G League game. So we, we try to do as much as we can, even outside of the local community, to continue to push the G League name forward and, and make people see or hopefully realize how good the basketball is in this league. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, it's I mean, the G League is yeah, it's a fascinating space. I mean, it's it reminds me there's similar vibes and obviously you watch all of this a lot more than I do but as a casual fan the game quality at summer league I feel like is a complete hidden gem and it's an amazing experience and you know you made a comment of like all of the actual kind of NBA um you know everyone actually working in the NBA it's it's such a cool experience that it feels like half of the people that you bump into have a a little, you know, a little ID with an official yeah. MBA something or they're an agent or, you know, whatever it is. And it's just such an immersive experience. But the the product on the court is just really fun and engaging to to watch. And I have a lot of similarities when I watch G League games of like, man, this is just, it's just great basketball. And a lot of these guys are incredibly talented. They just need the right, you know, the right roster, the right opportunity, the right scheme, whatever it is to kind of crack. And so I, I do think there's sort of this general misconception. And honestly, I think it's partly the way that the NBA is sort of broadcasting and injecting the G League. Maybe that has to do with some of the media deals with ESPN and, and whatnot. But I would love to, you know, get more bite-sized pieces of engagement you know, through TikTok and Instagram and like like how do we inject it in a little more, you know, these little bites so that I can jump into it. But that's a that's a tirade for another time. But I agree with you that the product is is awesome to watch. Definitely. No, that's good to hear. And I you know, I agree with what you're saying. Whatever we can do to continue to push the game forward and and obviously, I think a big part of it, and then I guess this comes from my, you know, Web3 crypto community brain, but whatever we can do to engage the community into what, you know, wants to be seen, what's wants to be, that's, you know, only going to continue to grow the game. So we're all ears and listening there. Yeah, absolutely. And we obviously, we're, we're brainstorming a bunch of awesome ideas and 
ways of bringing ownership and access and governance, but also just, yeah, like how do you, how do you consume some of this, this product in different ways? And, you know, that is probably one of the blessings and curse with us and our mission with the MBA is that, you know, the MBA has had so much success. And so a lot of the, you know, the media deals and the way that you can broadcast and things are, are pretty locked down and established with really, you know, large networks and something that we're excited about exploring with some of these other international leagues that are a little bit more open-minded about how to kind of do some of these media deals um, allows us to inject, you know, more crypto native experiences because you don't have to worry about stepping on toes, whether it's, you know, a media company or the MBA more specifically. I think that that area is going to be a really, really fun experimentation space for us as we, as we grow. Right. I did want to ask you, like, <clears throat> you know, I think Flex and I and our broader community, we're pretty optimistic and, and excited and, and bullish on, on, on all of this, making this happen. And I just think your kind of background is so uniquely suited. Like, where is the area? Let's take like the MBA specifically and saying yes or no to an idea like this. And maybe let's take the legality out of it. You know, not legality, like the legal structure and the MBA's kind of company. Like, let's say we kind of check mark those. What would you be kind of pessimistic that a, that a DAO-like entity could like actually... What areas do you feel like be like, there's no way a DAO could do this? And like, yeah, I could see maybe you work over there. Like, how do you kind of see something? I think the biggest thing is with, with the organization, especially when you're trying to make roster decisions, whether it's free agency or trades, things of that nature, you're only as good as your information and how kind of tight that information. So that's the one thing that I would probably worry about with a, with a DAO structure is how do you, how do you keep the, the free flowing of information going within your team? but also, and keep everyone involved, but also keep that as in-house as you can. That would probably be the biggest challenge. And then, and then just figuring out, yeah, that structure. But I, I think you guys have it in on the right way. Like it's, it's centralized growing towards decentralization where, you know, you'll probably, you will need some, some governance or some people in the fold who are, who are leading decisions. But I think there is some, some way to, to get some decentralization in there and get some, some, adage from the community i definitely think so that's really yeah. cool to hear yeah that's awesome yeah because i've heard specifically with gms which i thought was interesting it's one of those things that doesn't necessarily come intuitive to the casual fan but a lot of gming relies on your personal network right like people that you right. develop uh, relationships with agents families scouts like all like either other other teams right other teams uh, gms and so obviously the more experience you have in that camp the larger the, the the network is, and so that would be hard to to kind of accomplish as a distributed a distributed team. What are some functions that that you do that might actually be I don't want to say done better, but I think could easily be done in kind of a more decentralized way? And like you know, for example, this could be totally off, but when you think about international scouting or footage. Like if you were scouting someone in Lithuania, would it help to have, you know, community people in there that would that could do something to kind of augment or, or supplement any of the research you're doing around scouting? Like, is there anything that you can think of where people from all over the world with varying skill sets could actually help you out as a GM? I do think so for the contrasting of ideas. I think, you know, the more you're in basketball, professional sports or, or any any job for that matter, like the more you start to think alike. And the more differing perspectives and ideas that you can bring in only makes you better. So that's something that I've been trying to pride myself on is, is what can I do differently from the others in the front office that we already have? So I think just naturally having 
people from different walks of life that grew up in different places that have seen different styles of basketball that have been involved in basketball to various different levels. I think that definitely helps. But then you always get to the point of when does it become diminishing returns? Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah. the that's a, a, a point where you guys will have to figure out is is how many different voices is that? Like, is it 25? Is it 50? Is it 100? Is it 1,000 to where it starts getting noisy? But I, I do agree that, you know, getting different perspectives can only help, you know, formalize and, and, and validate your thoughts and, and help you just, you know, get to the right, you know, the right thoughts that you want. That's I love really that insight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. I, I hadn't really considered it, but it's, it's, yeah, it reminds me of sort of like, you know, the constraints of a game uh, and a salary cap. And, you know, like, and like you said, like the more you're in it, then you might start to, you know, kind of have group think, you know, it is interesting to sort of, you know, the Maury ball, you know, contribution to, to the, you know, the NBA and, and some of the changes of, of how that's impacted and like how these different GMs and are all thinking about different angles. I'm, I'm a Bucks fan. And so like, I distinctly remember, I can't remember the, all everyone on the, on the lineup, but it was like the Thon maker, Giannis, John Henson. And they were just like, oh, everyone was tall and lanky. And I was like, that's an interesting GM move. I'm not saying that that's going to work. And in hindsight, it didn't really work. But like you could have a lineup of just like tall, skinny, long people that are like, you know, all kind of playing this sort of hybrid forward position. And it, it's just interesting to hear you say like, yeah, how do you value some of that thinking, but also not let it run off the rails? That's a, that's a fascinating insight. Right. And I think from that perspective, just to add, that's why the the G League has been such a success within the NBA ecosystem, because those ideas or those off the rails type out of the box thinking is hard to implement at the NBA level. I mean, you guys see it all day, but GMs, coaches are under so much scrutiny at the NBA level that everything, every decision that is made gets questioned. And I mean, for good and bad, it just is what it is. But at the G League level is where I feel like a lot of outside the box thinking and you talk about trying different things, figuring out what's going to be successful. Like I remember a few years back, well, I remember when I first entered the league, the Houston Rockets G League team, like you literally could not shoot mid-range shots. Like that was the first implementation where it was like layups and threes and that was literally it. And then you see, I remember a few more years, but the Sacramento Kings for their G League team hired that the D3 coach that ran that Grinnell offense. Oh, system. Grinnell. I didn't oh, know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And I know even for us, like our our head coach really enjoys playing small, which has been good for us. And it just allows you to try different things. You talk about Nick Nurse coming from the G League, Quinn Snyder. So there's just been a lot of very smart people, Taylor Jenkins, that have come up throughout the G League. And I think that just helps you – I mean, this league just helps you try things. It helps you experiment, and then, you know, you gain experience with it, you gain confidence in it, or you figure out that it's, you know, not a good idea. So I think that's why the G League is, is so great to me. Love it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge college basketball nerd, and I see, I, like, NIL is out here, obviously, now, and um, it's still kind of, it, depending on who you ask, right, there's, I think it, still feels like there's there's some things that that need to be worked out but i think kind of what someone like the the ignite is doing is really really interesting and like taking some of these guys and 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 paying them pretty pretty good checks and obviously the the appeal to to players is there right it's like go you know skip college but go get 
go get paid and play against other professionals. How has that that kind of trend that you emerged affected you guys? Like, are you kind of saying, okay, Ignite's doing that, that's their thing? Or are you kind of are you kind of looking to incorporate that yourself at in the, at 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 San? From a G League perspective, I think, and the way I look at it, I think the Ignite has helped the league. Like any way you can get more eyeballs, and obviously, you know, last year having Jalen and and Jonathan, and then amongst others, obviously Dacia Nix, who, and Isaiah Todd. You just when you when you have those high level players, it, it brings eyeballs to the league. So I think that that helps the league in general. Just from a, a a yes or no checklist, like is that good for the league? I think that checks that off. But then also, you touched on it. But I love college basketball as well. But it's no it's no surprise. Like just college basketball is a, a different, completely different game from the NBA. Yes, it's, a, a, it's almost like you're watching two different sports. So I do believe, especially now after, you know, we have Jonathan with us and, and the time that he spent being able to, to play against older players, to play in an NBA system, NBA style basketball definitely helps the guys in their adjustment to pro basketball. So I think that's been that's definitely been good for the G League. And then from a Santa Cruz perspective, I th- the other the other piece of it, I don't think it involves what we're trying to do in terms of building our roster. But, but, you know, from a purely scouting perspective, it helps to, to, like I said, have those guys in NBA systems playing against, you know, older players, you know, more physically gifted players and, and able to see how it could theoretically translate. That's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. Commodore has literally heard me say verbatim, it's like watching two different sports. When I get excited over a three-quarter court trap that that results in a turnover it's there's there's nothing better and i realized that nba fans might might not feel the same way but i i love basketball so much i love both well david i want to i want to thank you so much for joining us this has been amazingly insightful like just just hearing your background and expertise and what you've been able to accomplish and how you think about structuring a roster given that it's 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 challenges not only as a gm but but particularly in the g league and so Again, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. And just to end, like I'm rooting for you guys. I, I love Dow's and the thoughts behind it. So I want it to, to be successful. And I, I like what you guys are doing. Then also a, a quick shout out to our, our friends at Utopia Labs for connecting us. So Absolutely. I love what Absolutely. they're doing for Dow's as well. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm excited for the space. And, and I want to quickly shout out the Warriors organization um, because if there's one organization that probably doesn't need, you know, with, the, with their with their brand power globally, that probably doesn't need any help from someone like a Krausehouse, it's it's the Warriors. And I think we've talked to maybe two or three people in the organization so far, and everyone's just been so awesome and so smart. And like when you hear guys like Andre Iguodala talk about how good, how like those were his glory years and how well run of an organization it is, it's no surprise after talking to you guys. So um, so yeah, quickly shout out the Warriors organization, like just what they've been able to accomplish. And I guess the the team that they've built internally behind the scenes has just been, has been stellar. So shout out to you guys. And, and yeah, we wish you, we wish you all the best and, and we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. We got to spin up a two, 2K league and you'll get, you'll get primary, primary access to that. I like it. I love it. I'm in. I'm <laughs> All in. right. Thanks, David. And maybe we'll bump into you in Summer League. Awesome. Please do. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you.